there are decisive moments, pivotal moments, life-changing moments, from which there is no going back. That's it. Decision made, choice chosen. From now on, what happened there and then will set the rudder, shape the priorities, set the agenda. There was the Gordian knot. At Gordian in Phrygia, Asia Minor, a chariot was famously fastened with cords made of the bark of a cornel tree and tied into a knot so cunningly contrived that no ends were visible. An old tradition held that the empire of the world would fall to anyone who could untie it. One day, Alexander the Great, as he was to become, having conquered Gordium, was confronted by the confounding knot. His solution, rather than wrestle with the impossible, he simply drew his sword and with a single mighty blow slashed right through it. Thus the phrase to cut the Gordian knot, meaning to find a decisive solution to a difficult and delicate problem. Job done, move on. Time to move on. And there was Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon. Caesar's confrontation with the senatorial party came to a head in 49 BC when he was ordered to relinquish control of the armies he'd commanded as a governor in Gaul. Realising that his opponents wouldn't rest till they had destroyed him, Caesar decided to invade Italy. However, when he reached the Rubicon River, which formed the boundary between Gaul and Italy itself, he could scarcely bring himself to issue the fatal order to cross. Apparently, as he hesitated, a figure of superhuman size was seen on the bank. It snatched a trumpet from a soldier, gave a mighty blast on it, then ran into the river and crossed over. Caesar accepted this as a sign from the gods and led his troops over with the words, Alia yacta est, the die is cast. Decision made, no going back. There were the conquistadors. In 1518, Hernando Cortes asked the Spanish governor to sponsor an expedition to Mexico. The governor agreed in order to capture its vast treasures and gave Cortes 11 ships and 700 men. In the spring of 1519, after months of travel, Cortes landed in Veracruz and to ensure the devotion of his men, as soon as the ships had been unloaded, Cortes torched the entire fleet. He literally burnt his boats. No going back. Choice chosen. Here we are. We go on from here to this new life in this new world. Not forgetting, of course, Elisha, of whom we read this morning, called to serve, dared to take on the mantle of his mentor Elijah, become the man of God for his times the bearer of the baton, the carrier of the beacon of God's truth and purpose for his people. So make your mind up, Elisha. This will cost you everything. What's it to be? Yes or no? In or out? Go or stay? And in a gesture of profound commitment, Elisha leaves his past behind, burns his farming tools, sacrifices his animals to provide a feast for the tribe, a sure sign, an earnest that this part is over for him now. From now on, he will be God's prophet. Wherever that takes him, whatever that asks of him, however much that costs him, you have to be impressed, astonished, filled with admiration. 
For the Christian, there are often such moments. Will I say yes to this invitation to serve? Am I being called to some special ministry? Are these resources of mine for me or for the Lord? This, This money, this time, these talents, are they for me or for the Lord? Some are called to a life of prayer and reflection, monks and nuns and such. And once you're through that convent door, once that monastery gate has closed behind you and it shuts on your old life, that's a pretty significant moment, a pretty searching symbol of where your life is going now, now that that choice has been made. The priest who embraces the celibate life is making a pretty serious commitment that's non-negotiable and demonstrates a remarkable dedication. Michel Quoist catches something of that in his prayer, A Priest on a Sunday Night. Tonight, Lord, I am alone. Little by little the sounds died down in the church, the people went away, and I came home alone. I passed people who were returning from a walk. I went by the cinema that was disgorging its crowd. I skirted cafe terraces where tired strollers were trying to prolong the pleasures of a Sunday holiday. I bumped into youngsters playing on the footpath. Youngsters, Lord, other people's youngsters who will never be my own. Here I am, Lord, alone. The silence troubles me. The solitude oppresses me. Lord, I'm 35 years old. A body made like others, ready for work, a heart meant for love, but I've given you all. It's true, of course, that you needed it. I've given you all, but it's hard, Lord. Hard to give one's body, it would like to give itself to others. It's hard to love everyone and claim no one. It's hard to shake a hand and not want to retain it. It's hard to inspire affection just to give it to you. It's hard to be nothing to oneself in order to be everything to others. It's hard to be like others, among others, and to be of them. It's hard always to give without trying to receive, to seek out others and be unsought oneself. It's hard to suffer from the sins of others and yet obliged to hear and bear them. It's hard to be told secrets and be unable to share them. It's hard to carry others and never even for a moment be carried. It's hard to be alone, alone before the world. Son, you are not alone. I am with you. I need you. I need your hands to continue to bless I need your lips to continue to speak. I need your body to continue to suffer. I need your heart to continue to love. I need you. Stay with me, son. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here is my body. Here is my heart. Here is my soul. Lord, tonight while all is still and I feel sharply the sting of solitude, while men devour my soul and I feel incapable of satisfying their hunger, while the whole world presses on my shoulders with all its weight of misery and sin, I repeat to you my yes, Lord. Alone before you, 
in the peace of the evening, I repeat to you my yes, Lord. How brave, how impossibly brave and dedicated. The die is cast indeed. I'm glad it wasn't a choice I had to make. The man or woman who turns their back on a potentially glittering career in this area or that of commerce or business to follow a call to ministry is perhaps not in the same league as these amazing men and women. But there are choices that have consequences and choices that might seem strange to the onlooker or to a husband or wife who never saw that turn of events coming as a life swings in an entirely unexpected direction. Of course, the basic moment is the call to discipleship. The invitation of Christ to be one of his people, one of his followers with a, an existential reality and honesty that takes Jesus of Nazareth out of the story of Christianity and into the story of my life. It takes him from safe, distance religious figure to my Lord and my God, whose call I heed whose spirit works in my life to change me and drive me and put his peace in my heart. We don't really do altar calls in the old-fashioned way so much these days, and maybe that's a mistake and not a kindness. We maybe don't want to put undue pressure on people, manipulate the emotions, you know how it was, as the 2,000-voice choir sings, just as I am, I invite you to come forward, all that kind of thing. And there could be abuses of that invitation. Emotionalism and manipulation, always a risk. And people were made to feel that if they didn't choose at that moment, then something irrevocable was happening. The most startling altar call I ever saw happened when the great American evangelist Billy Graham was at Murrayfield Stadium in Edinburgh. 60,000 people gathered to hear the great preacher. And Billy preached his sermon, and then at the end he said, Now, while the choir sings, I'm going to invite you, wherever you are in the stadium, to come forward out of your seat and dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe for the first time, maybe afresh. Do that now, while the choir is singing. And I'm up there with a whole crowd of people from my congregation who've travelled up in a bus from Dunbar and we've all brought our lunch pack and rucksacks and they're all along miles away high up in Murrayfield Stadium and I'm down there with my eyes closed I'm thinking oh Billy Billy you don't understand this is Edinburgh we don't do that kind of thing here this is going to be so embarrassing he's going to come to Edinburgh and ask people to go forward and it's going to be nobody there and then after a few moments I peered through my fingers and looked along the row where I've been sitting and everybody was gone there was just a, a row of lunch packs and rucksacks. And they were out there on the, on the field, dedicating their lives or rededicating their lives to Christ. Let's not kid ourselves. There is a choice to be made. There is a call to be heard, a response to make. It's not unimportant. It's not an option. It does make a difference to the whole of our life when we say yes to Christ or when we say no. The family service last Sunday went got a bit long and I had to cut it short. One of the things I was going to say was to say to the children, you know, people have all kinds of hobbies. They go fishing or they play bridge or tennis or golf or they like swimming or knitting or reading. 
and it's a great hobby and you pick it up and you put it down and but it doesn't define you it isn't who you are and Christianity is not a hobby it's not something we do because we're quite interested in coming to nice buildings and singing nice songs it's about who we are it, it filters into our life and, and works itself out in every connection in our hobbies, in our work, in our relationships when our life is turned around and we give our heart to Christ new things happen, new directions take us to different places it does matter Elisha stands on the brink of the moment. This life-disrupting call has come, and now for him, going halfway is not an option. Sort of, maybe, won't do. I'll give it a wee try and see if I like it. Doesn't apply. Here is your calling, Elisha. What it will cost, who knows. But it's come to your heart. And it was the same when Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and called his disciples as they worked at their nets. Follow me. Follow me. And he's walking away now. What's it to be, lads? Choices. What's it to be, lads? He's, he's, walk, he's walking away. The Bible tells it simple. They pulled the boats up on the beach, left everything, and followed Jesus. They pulled the boats up on the beach, left everything, and followed Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.